1: Welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. After another week of Serie A action, we are into the season's second international break now, and I'll be quite honest with you, I'm disappointed about this one. I was happy when September's came around. I'll no doubt be happy when November's comes, but this October one has come just when I, we were kind of getting into the swing of things, you know. I'm joined by Kev Pogzelski. Kev, and your your beer voice back from Liverpool. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm Good. Not too bad
2: do you you do you realize next season we only get one international break because the World Cup the leagues are finishing mid-november it might take so a sabbatical year next season then yeah, they've scrapped all the uh scrapped the two one you know two international breaks that we've had this season. you just get the one in whenever it is October I think.
1: do you know what I'll be honest with you, I hadn't realized that because there's been just so much going on. I've not been thinking much about the 2022 World Cup and and the logistic changes that will come with it. But there you go. Thanks, Kev. Uh, More updates on that to come from you, I'm sure, just randomly throughout the season. Also joined by Vito Doria. Vito, uh, welcome along. And I've just noticed, are you wearing glasses at the moment? I think this is the first time I've ever seen that.
3: Yes, yeah. So usually I'm all right using... uh... The laptop without glasses, but uh, I definitely need it for watching television sometimes when driving. So, yeah, just sometimes the brightness of the screens, you know, they're a bit hard to handle for me. Oh, yeah, old like the rest of us, Vito. Yeah, it looks that way. And it's also a genetic thing for me. My father's always had glasses.
1: Oh, fair enough. I was the first one in my family to get glasses in about 2010. And then... Within two years, everyone followed suit, and now we all have glasses. We don't always wear them, but we, we all need them in certain situations. It's like people were everyone in the family was just denying the problem. <laughs> and then I said, no, nah, I can't see you guys. Um, but there you go. We're, we're not here to talk about eyesight, are we? We're here to talk about Serie a, And it, it's been another good round. It was always going to be from when Ewan and I did the Patreon preview pod. We knew that there were a lot of good fixtures to look forward to this week. And they were as follows. Cagliari Venezia drew 1-1 in Sardinia. We had Ben Hughes at that one for FIF at the games. Salernitana beat Genoa 1-0. A huge win for the side from Campania there. And then Manuel Locatelli scored in the 86th minute, I believe it was, to, to win against Torino in the Derby della Mole. And then he went on and got engaged the following day. So it's been a lovely weekend for the Italy international. And then I was at Sassuolo's 2-1 loss to Inter at the Mapei on Saturday evening. And guys, I've got a train rant that I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to get off my chest at some point of this pod about that. Uh, Sunday started with a shock as Bologna thumped Lazio 3-0. Verona then beat Spezia 4-0, and Sampdoria Udinese finished 3-3, and it was one of the goals of the season from Antonio Candreva, and that one, just the 3 o'clock games went a little bit wild, 6pm on Sunday I was in Florence for a Fiorentina 1-Napoli 2, really good game there. Roma beat Empoli 2-0 at the same time. And then Milan beat Atalanta 3-2 in Bergamo to round out the fixtures and send us into the international break. Just before we start talking about all of this, just another reminder, guys, that we are on patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. The community over there is growing nicely. And the patrons, during the regular Saturday season, they're getting three bonus posts a week, two of those being podcasts. Um... Uh, Champions League review pod, or and I should say, not or a Serie A preview pod, as well as a weekly newsletter which goes out every Tuesday. So you can head over there and sign up for two euro, five euro, or ten euro a month. And like I've said most weeks, I would very much encourage the five euro tier because it's probably the best value for money. And we'll very much appreciate having you over there. But let's start this week's podcast, guys, by chatting about Milan. Because they are the real deal, Kev. They went away to Atalanta and were 1-0 up within a minute. And you could say that it was two individual errors that gave Milan their first two goals in Bergamo. But Milan took their chances, Atalanta didn't. And that's probably going to be what separates these two sides come the end of the season by however many points and places in the Serie A table.
2: Yeah, quite possibly. They I did, I did have to take those chances that they were gifted, shall we say, or sort of favourably handed by Atalanta. Um, it was a real surprising result. You know, I was with friends today and they were, those of a, a betting persuasion, they were going, oh, you know, you're the, you're the Serie A expert here. <laughs> What's that going to end? And I was like, oh, put your money on Atalanta because they're strong at home. They've just, can't, you know, they've not had a, a midweek travel for the Champions League because they're at home. And then I was quite shocked for them to tell me while I was driving and um, Milan were already 3 up. But, you know, you, you can make those mistakes and not be punished by other sides lower down the league. And with Atalanta missing their own chances, it, it could well be what separates them. Which is strange to say, really, when Atalanta are usually kind of free-scoring and the side that will take those, you know, take chances and stuff. But um, Milan certainly do look the real deal and maybe... Not having the difficult second season under Pioli that
1: I expected. Mm. No, they—they're definitely Milan are definitely having a good time under Pioli. But these these things about Atalanta—they're just not true anymore, are they? They're, they're not. They haven't been good at home since they got the stadium renovated. Really, I mean, funnily, the only exception to Atalanta being good at home in the new stadium was probably that famous game against Milan. Other than that, they've been pretty disappointing. They were poor at home last season. It was their away form that carried them. And then this year, they have they lost to Fiorentina and Drew with Bologna at the at the Jewish Stadium. So I don't know. And, and they've not been scoring goals this season either. I, I do still think, I know that they hit a little purple patch of form, but we're, we're still just seeing early season Atalanta at the moment. But we do have to talk about Milan Vito because with every passing week, They just convince that little bit more. And Sandro Tonali scoring this evening obviously is just the latest example of his, I suppose, I don't want to say resurgence, but it is growth definitely in this Milan side. And it's hard to point to a team in Italy who you think are more, I suppose, complete than Milan at the moment.
3: Uh, The only team I could probably putting that bracket with the Rossoneri would have to be Napoli. Um, Napoli, in general, I don't think have many particular weaknesses. AC Milan, they made uh, the necessary signings in the off-season. And the way they're playing now, uh, they look like they could uh, challenge for the title. They're in second place, just two points off uh, Napoli. And uh, if we talk about Tornali in particular... Um, He's really shown that uh, he can fit in at AC Milan. Uh, He had some issues last season, especially making the jump from Brescia to the Rossoneri. And uh, now he's showing why he's highly rated. He's a midfielder that's uh, the complete package. And at least on social media, but also the mainstream too, uh, he gets those comparisons with Pirlo and then... Uh, he says he's more like Gattuso, but uh, the the way he plays Tonali is, is really that hybrid midfielder. He's probably got the best of both players. And uh, I think the way he's progressing, he will eventually create, you know, his own identity, his own style of play and being his own player. You know, someone who will develop a reputation in his own right. And I think his progress is great for AC Milan because... But Kessie, who's sort of had mixed form to this season, he's had that rough start. And also Ishmael Benasser hasn't been playing a lot. So to have uh, Tonali step in has been uh, beneficial for Pioli and the AC Milan squad.
1: I cannot believe you just mentioned Sandro Tonali's name in the same breath as both Gattuso and Pirlo. You know, people are going to kill you for that, right?
3: Oh, it's typical of uh, the mo- uh, the current age, you know. Everybody has a dummy spit, And uh, needless to say, I think if anyone's smart enough or has enough brain, they'd realize I'm not saying that they're of the same level. Um, I'm just talking about characteristics and style. Unfortunately, that's the problem with social media and these keyboard warriors. Just the little thing, they probably just get the gist of it. And then they have all these uh, tantrums or hissy fits. And again, this is uh, what happens in the 21st century. Just uh, It's better to imp- understand the comprehension and the context. You can see the headlines
1: now. Serie expert says, Tonali is better than Pirlo and Gattuso combined. Wow, Peter, big words. <laughs> big words that never left your mouth. But Kev, uh, th- this... <laughs> Milan, they're they're clinical, they're efficient, they get the job done, they rise to the occasion when they need to for big games as well, domestically at least. And they've been hard done by in Europe too. You could argue that they've put in two pretty respectable performances, despite not having a point yet in the Champions League. Uh, again, that wasn't a shot. I, I I knew how it sounded as it was coming out of my mouth. It wasn't supposed to sound that way. But Kev, they they are impressive, aren't they? They there's no other word for this Milan team other than impressive.
2: Yeah, um, I'd, I'd argue certainly that their their Champions League fixture this week was uh, more unlucky than the one at Anfield because. Um, they did well at
1: Anfield though after they the start. Well
2: and and actually when we're talking about the game at Anfield in context of this that is the whole clinical in taking their chances because you know they really only had those two that sent them in uh, into the lead at, uh, at half time 2-1. Well. And um, I I I think some of some of their performance tonight will be driven by them feeling Hard done by midweek, um, with these sort of refereeing decisions and things that they got. So, it, yeah, I think it will help them through the season, as much as we thought it might hinder them playing those games. Um, but yeah, they they, they, they look sound.
1: Kev, do you want to wish Lathan Ibrahimovic a happy fortieth? He's obviously celebrating this week, forty years old. I'm sure you can relate to him on in a lot of ways, and I know you you're a big fan of his, particularly his. His character and humility. So, would you like to send him your best wishes? Oh, happy! Would well, you know what his birthday is? Is it Wednesday or Tuesday or Was it not? It beat, it's already it happened, has it, it not?
2: 40.
1: Oh, okay. So I thought it was is it not today. As in, I like Sunday. Let me check. It's October third. Yeah, it was. It was on the day that Milan beat Atalanta that he did. Ah, okay. Well, well now, yes, of
2: course. So I wish Zlatan a very happy
1: birthday. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I'm sure he'll appreciate that very much. Right, guys, that'll do for Milan in part one. In part two, we'll be back to talk about the second of the games I was at, the third that FAF were at, the um, Fiorentina Napoli game. We are back, and we're going to talk about Fiorentina Napoli, because uh, well, not because I was there, but I was there. It's, It's coincidental, really. But this was a great game. There was a lot of things to enjoy about it, mostly that it was a proper match where both teams had really dominant spells and both teams could have put their case forward that they they wanted a little bit more consistency throughout the 90 minutes. But Fiorentina started like a house on fire. They went 1-0 up early-ish through, I always forget his first name, Lucas Martinez-Quarta and Napoli just looked like they didn't have anything. And then out of nowhere, Victor Ozzyman, for the first time all night, got the better of Fiorentina's backline, won a penalty, and that just shifted the whole momentum of the game. And then Napoli never really looked overly troubled from there. There was maybe a five-minute spell in the second half where Fiorentina were, were really knocking on the door. But other than that, I, I guess a win for Napoli, Vito, in this one was more than a deserved result.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, despite the good start by Fiorentina, uh, Napoli again showed uh, the bigger gap in uh, individual quality. Uh, I think that uh, once uh, Napoli got into the rhythm, things they were the better team collectively. And uh, I think in particular, Ozyman, he really showed how hard he is to, con- to contain for opposition defenders. The way he uses his, his strength for a tall guy, has got incredible pace, and, uh, yeah, M- Martínez Quarta although he got the first goal, um, you know, he just struggled with Ozyman, afterwards, and then, uh, Napoli, he, they showed that, uh, even if, a guy like Ozyman, or even someone like Insigne, doesn't score, they got their own, fair share of contributors, like, uh, Amir Akhmani, scoring the equaliser, and, he's had a pretty good start, to the season too, and, and, Lozano got the winner, but uh, yeah, in general, goes to show that uh, yeah, the Partenopei pay. They've got uh, plenty of uh, healthy options. And like I was saying earlier, they're probably the, the most complete team in Serie A at the moment.
1: Yeah, they're definitely right up there. The, the Fiorentina backline was an interesting one because within two minutes, you could see that they had a very clear plan for dealing with, with Aussie men specifically. And that was to not give him an inch of space. It was mostly Nikola Milenkovic who was touch tight to him, and literally with a hand on his back the whole time that Napoli had the ball. He wasn't letting him go anywhere. But then, if Milenkovic had to to wander off while he was in possession or something, Quarta would come over and and do the exact same thing. And I can't remember the exact time that they got the penalty. Let me just scramble around for that. But until that penalty was awarded. The two of them had everything under so much control for what a good half an hour. And then there was just that one moment where Ozzyman kind of dragged himself over to the left and just destroyed Quarta. And after that, Quarta just never recovered from it. But up until then, he was arguably the best player on the pitch. And it's just I don't know. I think there's a a lot of people were, were pointing out Fiorentina's defensive problems today. But I thought they had managed it quite well until Ozyman just kind of found his groove because even with the the two centre backs playing the way they were, Drongovsky behind as the goalkeeper was basically playing as a fifth defender because his starting position was so far out. And it's almost like Napoli were countering the close marking of Ozzymen by playing balls in over the top, but Drangovsky was just coming out and winning every single one of them quite easily. And in possession, Fiorentina also looked quite good. They were, they were knocking the ball about quite nicely. There were a few heart-stopping moments when they were knocking it about in their own box. But ultimately, this is what Vincenzo Italiano wants them to do. And they did it pretty well for, for most of that first half. But Napoli then did just completely take over. And Aussie men, on his day... He's right up there, Kev, with the the very best in Serie A, definitely, and he's well on his way to being one of the best in Europe.
2: Uh, yeah, sorry, you threw me a bit with the best in Europe. Certainly, he's the on his way. I did not say he was. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think he has got the um, yeah you know, the attributes to to, to get there. Um, he's still very young. He's still a little raw, but I think that that actually. Kind of benefits him because it's it's kind of that rawness and that unexpected you know that unexpectedness. If that's I think it is a word. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. You know that will that will worry defenders because you know they've probably not seen that much of him, you know, footage wise and things. And I think it was it wasn't a fortunate penalty, but it was you know they could have probably tried to deal with him a little better before bringing him down it was a definite um, penalty and, though wasn't it
1: like I, we'll just, we've got to t- say it was, def- it was a it was definitely but def-
2: yeah it was a definite penalty just that um i thought they could have maybe not you know it was, it was a bit rash yeah. from the defender going in there and then like, they they also got slice of luck because insigne as he has form to do uh hit a relatively poor penalty and his follow up header you know as he sort of came together with drugowski fell to Lozano who still put the shot away wonderfully well because he had to sort of fire it for a few bodies and um, yeah seven from seven what it's a start. It's incredible
1: it's a really incredible start but yeah Drongovsky I felt so sorry for him because that penalty save was was pretty good and then more impressive though was the follow-up save because I don't know how he got up in time to then get so close to Insignia to block that header it was it was excellent, and he didn't deserve to concede that goal to Lozano, to be honest, but that that's just how it goes sometimes, I suppose. I, I did like, after the match, it must have been on Dazone, or possibly, I don't know, maybe Sky, where Spalletti was being interviewed, and then obviously because Roma played at the same time, they got Mourinho on to get interviewed as well. So there was this moment where they both coincided coming through like the same feed basically like you and Vito are now and the interviewer was there and then Mourinho pops up and he's like oh grande big Spalletti like you're great I-, I see you want to win every single match you play this season yeah because obviously they're seven from seven now." and then Spalletti was just like joking back trying to play it all down you know the, the superstitions of course saying like oh you can't say these things blah blah and then Mourinho says, oh, but I, I see you've got to lose your next game away from home, which is, of course, against Roma. So that's going to be a very interesting little battle. But I didn't realize they were pals. It was a very amicable exchange. And I just thought that's right up Kev's street. He'd love seeing that, Mourinho having a having a lovely time on television. Um, I don't know, Kev, did did you see that little video clip?
2: I, I I didn't see it. It it reminds me of um probably a time when Mourinho was in charge of uh Manchester United and um some of the keyboard warriors who Vito referenced earlier were going apoplectic with rage because the Manchester The Manchester United Brazilian contingent and the Manchester City Brazilian contingent had dared to go out to a restaurant together and they couldn't possibly be friends. And so it always makes me smile. I quite like that sort of thing, because we all know well and good, you know, you you, obviously there are people you dislike that you meet in whatever profession and industry is. But the majority of the time, most people are quite pleasant and there is some common ground there, you know two two coaches that have gone through the jobs they've had under the pressure that they've had probably find common ground, you know, when they sit somewhere out of sight from the media post game and probably do have a laugh and a joke about, you know, what's going on. Yeah, well, on.
1: There's, there was always the thing, wasn't there, that uh, I think Alex Ferguson was the one who publicised it a little bit more than most, but they just go into his office for a glass of wine after the match and things like that, which is quite nice. But on on a very different note that there was unfortunately I've not seen too many reports of it uh, which is again depressing but a little bit of racism going on at the Artemio Franchi it started with with Victor Ozzyman during the game he was really getting under the skin of the Fiorentina fans just by well existing really and he was his usual self you know protesting decisions with the referee putting himself about He was fouled at one point and every time he did something that wasn't kick the ball effectively, every time he spoke to someone or or, or fell, there were a lot of jeers and and whistles and the usual. But then through that broke a a couple of the, um, I suppose you could say expected monkey chants. I, I should stress they did seem minimal and as though they were coming from a handful of people, but they were repeated on a number of occasions throughout the game. Then afterwards, Kaladu Koulibaly was, was summoned to do the, the pitch side interview as he left the pitch. And the way they located it at the Artemio Frankie is that it's just right beside the tunnel, which is just beneath the Curva Fiesole. And obviously that's quite an unfortunate location if you're a visiting player, particularly. If one of your teammates has just been racially abused during a match that you were playing in. And then Kulubali as he was leaving. Well, first as he was walking towards it, I, I heard or thought I heard some monkey chants coming from the from the curva, which was mostly empty by this point. But then as Kulubali was leaving, he clearly heard something as well because he stopped as he was stepping down into the tunnel and then came back out of it and stood confronted from maybe, what, 50, 30 metres away, the Fiorentina fans, and he seemed to point out one individual in particular. So hopefully they will be able to identify this individual much like happened at the Allianz Stadium when when Mike Miningham was racially abused by a, a Moronic Juventus fan, and that will get sorted. But having fans back has been bloody amazing. But I forgot some of the stuff that comes with it and I do remember it, it must have been the 19 nineteen twenty season at the beginning there was like a, a three week spell where we talked about racist abuse every single week on this podcast and it seemed that every game I went to for a for a three week period it, w- it was happening let's just hope that that doesn't come back and people can continue to stamp this out and stop being, well stopping fucking idiots basically uh, that'll do for part two in part three, we're going to talk about Sassuolo Inter. Okay, the other game I was at this weekend, the first of the two games I was at this weekend came at the Mape, where champions Inter travel to Emilia-Romagna, Reggio Emilia, both of those places, Kev. Tell me which is the region and which is the city. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was I was muted. I wasn't I wasn't searching for, for answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Reggio Emilia is the region. <laughs> ah, no, Reggio Emilia is the oh, city. God. Emilia Romagna is the region. Emilia, I'll call it Emilia
2: Romagna is the the region because that's the Bologna
1: region. There you go. My favourite. There you Bologna go. Region. It's the region in which I live too, Kev, as you well know. Anyway. Yes. Sassuolo went 1-0 up through a Domenico Berardi penalty. Of course they did. And of course he was the one that scored it. He loves playing against Inter. But then, I need to get, just let me get my notes from this out. In the 57th minute, Simone and Zagi made four substitutes at the same time. So Bastoni, Dumfries, Chalinoglu and Correa were all dragged And I I only felt bad for Bastoni. The rest of them deserved to be dragged earlier, to be honest with you. Di Marco, Damian, Vidal and Dzeko came on in their place and everything changed. Dzeko scored within 30 seconds. Inter went on to win it through a Lautaro Martinez penalty. The game wasn't without its controversy, obviously. But Vito, statement win from the Nero especially considering how badly they started this one.
3: Well, when... uh... When I saw what was going on early on, it looked like Sassuolo, you know, would do the usual thing and just uh, really give the Nerazzurri a bad time. It seems that after that first season or two, after they would get destroyed uh, game after game, they've become a bogey team for the Nerazzurri. And it seemed to be going down that path, especially with Jeremy Berger with some of, uh, you know, some of his uh, dribbling, if I remember correctly, he earned the penalty and, uh, he showed that uh, you know he could be returning to some of his old form, but uh, uh, the game got turned around by the Nerazzurri, especially with the uh, with the substitutions. And then, unfortunately, Andrea Consigli probably had one of his worst games for Sassuolo. Um, if you look back, um, he should have done better with the first goal. Um, he just watched that cross from the left come in, and he should have at least tried to punch away the cross or intercept the cross, or even try to block off Dzeko's path, but Dzeko got the equalizer. And then you got to really question the brain fade he had to concede the penalty like he did. That was uh, that was mind-boggling. And uh, I'll just add to that. I had a look at the La Gazzetta dello Sport ratings. Concelling got a 5.5 out of 10. I thought that was generous. Uh, I thought he deserved a 4, maybe less, but uh, very generous. A 4? Yeah, he was terrible. Well, for for how he handled the goals, uh, that was pretty bad. Especially considering, you know, that he's usually a lot better than that.
0: So, Particularly yeah, against
1: bit... Inter, right? Mm. He he always steps it up against Inter, as as Inter fans well know. He usually becomes peak Gianluigi Buffon when he plays against them. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was disappointing. However, I've I'm I'm confused to be honest with you, about the penalty decision. Because, yes, it's a foul, and yes, it's a penalty. However, on the stroke of halftime, there was an almost identical incident with Gregoire Defrel and Samuel Andanovic, where Defrel was put through by, well, Stefan De Frey. I don't know what he was doing. He played the worst pass back to a goalkeeper that I've seen for a long time. And Defrel got in. Knocked it around Andanovich, who turned quite strategically the same way that Defrelle was going. So he was making it look like he was getting out of the way, but he wasn't really getting out of the way. And then he did a little jump thing to emphasize further that he was getting out of the way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because he brought down Defrelle. And I think Defrelle was a little bit silly to to run where he ran, but I still think that Andanovic has got to be penalized for that foul. And if not, you can't give a penalty when Concealy does the exact same thing, just 10 yards closer to the goal line. I I couldn't wrap my head around it. And halftime came while this was all kicking off. And there was a lot of complaints. And I think someone was given a yellow card during it. It was a little bit mad. I I couldn't quite work it out myself. But Let's not talk too much about that. We, we tend to avoid refereeing controversies, and I think we should, but that one didn't really sit well with me. I was very confused by it, and I, I've, I've watched both incidents again. And I just can't work out why one was a penalty and one wasn't even a, a free kick. It's just odd, really odd. But anyway, Kev, Inter came back. They got their win, and they're just they're just not as bad as we kind of expected them to be
2: (laughs) no absolutely just grinding away grinding away it would be interesting you know if they're still where they are now last month of the season or the last two months and when they're going to need to do a bit more than just kind of grind stuff away what what condition they'll be in but yeah away they go
1: I love that you're progressively moving further away from the microphone and not increasing the uh, volume my, at which you're speaking. My,
2: my microphone, my microphone's attached. To my oh, ears. Well, then you're just speaking I'm progressively, I'm progressively I'm quieter. To then off. that's
1: what's going on. <clears> um, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long weekend. So you, Too many spirits
2: were consumed.
1: Right. It, it sounds like you're walking away from the microphone at, at, from the beginning to the end of your sentences. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, we've got to talk about Joaquin Correa because he was bad really really bad and and Lazio fans will be screaming we told you so but not because he's a bad player but because in what seven weeks of the season I don't think he's been even, he hasn't been at Inter for the seven rounds has he but for however, however long he's been at Inter he's shown us already that he's the same player that he was under Inzaghi at Lazio and that he can have a brilliant impact And he can also do absolutely nothing. And Inter fans, Vito, will just want them to find a little bit of middle ground there because at the moment he's maddening.
3: It seems that after that uh, impact he had in the El Verona game, that uh, it's like he's just done enough for the season type of thing. He hasn't capitalised on it or built upon his form. And uh, and that's probably one of the issues with this... uh, Inter team is that you got guys like Korea and and Hakan Noglu. They'll put in a couple good games, but they don't have the consistency to sort of make sure that Inter are fighting near the top. It's also a shame because uh, those two players and they're capable of doing magical things on their day. So um, yeah, from uh, if we just stick to Korea, yeah, it's great if we can just actually get his scoring numbers up for stars, And even if he provides a few more assists, it's good because he adds something different to the Nerazzurri attack. You've got someone like Martinez, who's strong physically. uh, He's a direct runner. He's quick. Whereas uh, Correa, he's the more mercurial talent of the two. So although he doesn't have the same work ethic or prolificacy that Lautaro has... He add his own share of unpredictability, and uh, when he switched on, uh, it's that kind of player that can really, you know, give defenses headaches, and that's uh, that's what Inzaghi needs to see more from Correa instead of just uh, walking around the pitch and waddling like a duck.
1: <laughs> Kev, the other striker they've got is Edin Jacko, obviously, and he just keeps showing why Inter were were so keen to bring him in because. He's getting important goals for them at the moment. And if I think if Nzagi can manage his minutes and his his legs this season, he could be a, a real difference maker between a potential second place finish and a, and a first place finish.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He sort of showed how clinically he was coming straight on, straight into the flow of the game. Converted that wonderful pass by Perisic, which was better than Barella's for Martinez the week before, <laughs> and I think I think the problem the problem when they signed Jako is he's old. Was it? Well, that he's old, but it's such a it's such an obvious downgrade on Lukaku, and that comparison and that probably you know does that, that does him a disservice because he's. You know, because it's that direct comparison, really, because, you know, the Inter fans were still, uh, you know, mourning the loss of Big Rom. And in comes someone a good, what, nearly sort of seven or eight years older than him, very much less mobile, but has scored goals almost everywhere he's been, you know, and arguably now requires a little bit more of those goals to be kind of laid on a plate for him. But um, he'll not only score plenty of goals, but I fully expect him to pop up with a few crucial goals during the course of the season. Just
1: not in the Champions League, obviously, because Inter are cursed in European football, as we well know. Uh, But uh, funnily, I I seem to remember Dzeko's best Roma performances over the last two years certainly came in, in the Champions League. But who knows? The, the curse that surrounds Inter is 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 greater and defeats everything else. Clearly, okay. Part four, I think we're going to talk about the rest of of the Serie A games. Oh, Ewan Burns, you're you're taking time out of your day to join me again to talk about the latest Serie A Femenile action. It's another good weekend. It, it was almost a much better weekend because Juve very nearly dropped points and nothing against Juventus. That would have been incredible for the title race. And seeing Sassuolo as outright leaders would have been quite interesting. But the, the results from... I didn't let you say hello again. Did I? Hi, Ewan. How are you?
0: <laughs> hello, everyone. I'm OK. <laughs> Actually,
1: I've just realised. So if you're watching on YouTube, this will mean nothing to you. But for those of you listening to the, the regular FAF pod, I said earlier in the podcast that you were sick, I believe. So now people are going to think that you <laughs> You were you were unwell last night, and and this morning you're you're feeling better, right?
0: Yeah, one one early night can nip these things in the bud. So
1: there we go. Um we were a little bit worried about you when we heard you were unwell, well, given what's <laughs> going on in the world and given what happened in, in your life quite recently as well with um COVID cases. So yeah, it's good yeah. that you're you're back on your feet. Anyway, let's talk about the football, shall we? So Fiorentina beat Sampdoria four-two. Empoli beat Hellas Verona three-one. Roma almost Held Juventus. They went 1-0 up against Juve. They lost 2-1 in the end. Milan beat Napoli 1-0, despite having just 10 men. Sassuolo beat Lazio 3-0. Of course they did. And the big surprise of the round came with Pomigliano getting their first ever Serie A win, beating Inter 2-0. So we've got to start with the biggest game of the weekend, though, which was Roma Juve. This I know Roma were the last domestic team to beat Juventus, beating them in the Coppa Italia semi-final last season before going on to win it but this was a sign to the rest of the the top half of Serie A that Juventus aren't this unstoppable machine despite the fact that they won there there were signs there that maybe teams can stop them from winning every single game
0: this season yeah there was a bit of a blueprint and some hope laid out by Roma but the um ultimately they did still win, <laughs> as they always do. They. But, it, you know, like I say, it suggested that somebody will probably beat them this season or at least stop them from winning every single game because um, Roma had more chances than just the goal that they scored. Um, and it did take a very, very late goal as well for Juve to finally get the points. Interestingly, just before they got the winning goal, it was Bonfantini who very nearly yeah. scored, which would have been... I was gonna say funny, but that's that's cruel. It wouldn't be funny, it'd just be interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and did that break as well. The ball
1: just dropped out of the sky, and the way she turned, catching the ball as it fell and, and skinning the defender like that. You just saw the pitch open up in front of her and she was charging to, and you just thought, oh no, she no, <laughs> she can't. It's because, gonna be a fight. <laughs> yeah, because the Roma fans were already unhappy that she was let leave to Juve for for nothing over the summer. So that wouldn't have gone well. They did score from the resulting corner with um, Staskova getting the header, and it was a disappointing way to concede. Right, she just kind of lost her her marker at the near post and was able to head in. But
0: yeah, she had two or three players around her that s- somehow very quickly didn't.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: Juventus though they they just find
1: ways they just find ways to keep on winning, and they are now still joint at the top with with maximum points, fifteen from fifteen with Sassuolo, of course, who beat Lazio. Um, again, 3-0, comprehensive. The, the statistics, though. Lazio had zero shots. Sassuolo had 33. I, th- I think Lazio will be pleased to have returned to to the the capital with just a
0: 3-0 defeat from this one. Yeah, what was odd about this... Um... We kind of said before we game that this could be a bit of a bit of a nasty one for Lazio. But um they were only one-nil down until it was it was into the final 10 minutes coming with that minute, and then obviously Saswelder got two more very quickly, and they'd had so many chances before that that you almost felt like if they'd if they had added another 20 minutes onto that game, it could have got quite high up in the single figures at least. <laughs> <laughs> because they they suddenly, as is often the way with that sort of game, the floodgates did open. There just happened to not be that much time left as well as to score as many goals as they were definitely capable of. But I think Cleland hit the woodwork at one point, among other chances. Cantore was involved the whole time. Um, can't remember who it was, but the player who scored the third goal—it was um, Cantore. Cantore got the third. Oh, sorry, the, the second one. Then the header at the back post. She um, she had a really nice effort in the first half um, that was saved—a volley at the back, sort of. What do you Call it back corner of the box, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like really ni- nicely placed, and um, that would have been a really, really good goal, but yeah, that Lazio almost got away with not taking a hiding there.
1: It was, um, it was Dongus who got the, the second That's goal it. and yeah. had bad effort. And she was quite impressive in an attacking sense when, when I saw them play as well. She's quite an interesting player in that regard, but I, the, the way Sassuolo play lends to that, you know, the, the defenders do push forward at any given opportunity, and even when it's not really on. They try anyway. Milan beat Napoli 1-0, and this was closer than I definitely expected it to be. Eleonora Goldoni missed a penalty for the Partina or for, not even the Partina play because it's a different club, sorry, for for Napoli in the first half, which is a shame, a real shame, because Milan then got themselves ahead, and then Valentina Giacinti remarkably missed a penalty of her own, which you wouldn't have expected. Milan did then get down to 10 men in the first half, but they they held on and they were able to win 1-0 away. Not the scoreline they would have hoped for, but it's three points and they
0: needed that after losing to Sassuolo the previous week. Yeah, it would have been, you'd think, pretty terminal for their title hopes if they were to drop points against a team that who do seem to be much improved from last season, but it took until a good result on the final day last season to not get relegated, so they are a team that Milan should be beating very comfortably. So to sort of get away with the penalty and get away with the fact that they had a player sent off and miss their own penalty, Mm. (laughs) I think they just need to take those points and forget all about that game. For sure.
1: In the other results, Empoli beat Verona 3-1, as I said. Samp Samp lost 4-2 to Fiorentina. Samp have been fun, but they've just not been getting the results. It is strange to see them down there particularly because that game where that I went to Sassuolo Samp they were they were decent and they gave Sassuolo some problems despite not deserving a point from the game such as Sassuolo's brilliance this year but Pomigliano beating Inter 2-0 again another one of those results that I don't think anybody saw coming uh Maria Baniušic scored I believe what was her first goal for Pomigliano and set them on the way to a 2-0 win big, quite an important one and down at that end of the, of the table as we saw last season, every point and every win counts
0: so much Yeah, they they seem to be they seem to be a level above and obviously the two teams who came up, they do seem to be significantly better um, Maria Burnish seems to only score incredible goals. It was a really, really good goal again. Um, she's, she's like saying, I think that's the first one since she moved there. And She didn't get too many for Roma last season, but she, she only gets really good ones. Mm. Um, but that Inter result for them seems, you know, that, that was a last year's Inter kind of result where they were one of the poorer teams in the division. Obviously, so far they've they played 3-1-3 before this one. Obviously, they're a game down now after that one against Roma got called off. But as we keep saying, one loss against a team that aren't at the top. And you just think, well, that's you done for title-wise. Whether they can squeeze in a Champions League spot, it, even that seems quite unlikely now because Sospoldo and Ube just look so definitively the two best teams now. Yeah, there
1: are some other
0: interesting fixtures
1: next week. Samp play Inter. But I think the most intriguing on Saturday is Lazio against Bologna because Lazio have looked... So far, adrift of everybody else. And like you said, Pomigliano do look that bit better than them. It'll be interesting to see if the Bianco Celeste can do anything at all there. Juve play Napoli in a game that oh, I'm really worried for Napoli in that one because Juventus are just a machine. You know, they, they do what they do. Sunday kicks off with Milan hosting Roma. Potentially another banana skin for the Rossonera, but having lost to Sassuolo last week, they'll be desperate to not do that. Halas Verona play for Argentina and Sassuolo host Empoli in a game that I'm hoping to get to, get back to Sassuolo and have another race against the the last train leaving and and try not to get (laughs) stranded in, in the province of Modena somewhere. But we'll see. Ewan, thanks very much for your time. And I'm sure I'll speak to you again next week. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a shame to talk about the Derby de la Mola so late in the podcast, but we couldn't justify putting it ahead of any of those three games that we went in a little bit deeper on. But Kev Manuel Locatelli, he scored another big goal. He got a big goal. I believe it was against Sampdoria the week before when you did the report on that one. Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: Yeah yeah he did he scored the uh he scored the third to extend Juventus's lead to 3-1 and i said at the time last week how he has probably already become their most influential he's midfielder he's the
1: best midfielder hands down he's their best
2: midfielder yeah. and almost in a kind of hybrid six positions, so that sort of kind
1: of shielding and
2: scurrying across... Do you know
1: what? uh... I'm happy you said this, because during the Euros, uh, one of my mates, who has actually just left Parma in the last few days, sometimes listens to the pod, so hello Pete. Um, He's a Liverpool fan, and I was talking about Locatelli. It was the day that he scored two against Switzerland. I think, was it the Switzerland game he scored two against? I think it was. Yes. Vito's nodding, so that means it's correct. Perfect. Thank you. And I said that it's weird to see him score two goals in a game. And and my mate was like, Mm. well, what kind of player is he? And I was like, well, he does this. And he goes, so he's a six. And I was like, nah, because he does this. And he's like, so he's an eight. And he's like, nah, he's not a 10, but he's kind of both of those, but neither. And a bit more. And yeah, Kev, thank you for for justifying exactly what I was saying in the summer. But continue. Yeah.
2: No, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, where was my train of thought. um. But but yeah, so yeah, he is, he's fulfilling so many roles. Although actually I I think that's an issue because then that indicates that they can't rely on one man for, you know, for all of these things. Um, And actually for the one week that I wasn't covering Juventus and writing an analysis piece, it would have been entirely around Locatelli's growing importance despite his very short time at the club. Um I, I only managed to catch the highlights of this, but actually for for, for everything else that I've seen of Juve this year, and considering how well Torino has started the season, this looked like the first um game that Juventus if if not dominated but controlled uh for, for large portions of the match, and um well, which is kind of always a case in the uh the
1: derby between these two. Vito, Bologna beat Lazio 3-0, and I was travelling to Florence during this. What on earth happened here? Lazio won the derby last week, mm-hmm. and then they lost 3-0 to Bologna, who have who've been stinking for, for a lot mm. of this season.
3: I don't think even the most uh, optimistic of Felsenay supporters would have seen this one coming. When I saw the lineup at the start, I was stunned because... Sinisa Mihalovic is probably one of the staunchest critics of a three-man defence, and uh, he went for a 3-4-2-1, and uh, the plan was to sit back and defend, but uh, what eventually happened was uh, a rather balanced performance on their part. They defended well in numbers, and they were dangerous on the counter-attack, whereas uh, Lazio were limited to going sideways and backwards. Uh, Tejart had a great game, and he got the second goal in the... He played well in defence. Uh, Sumara was excellent as well. Dominguez is a ball winning midfielder. He had a solid game. And uh, Aaron Hickey, the Scottish lad, he had his best uh, performance for Bologna so far and he, he got a deserved third goal. Reina could have done better on the shot, but I think he deserved that for the performance he had put in. Uh, Musabaro, uh, I think we're running our superlatives. We praised him along mm. this on this pod and uh, the goal he scored to open a scoring was stupendous. It's just a great bending strike. And the, the eccentric marker, Arnatovic he didn't score, but uh, he's a character and, uh, you know, on the field, he's got a good work ethic too. I think he held up the ball very well, linked up well with teammates, put in a few tricks, you know, including a few step overs. So um, a lot to like about Bologna in this particular game, but I think for Lazio, milinkovic Savage he he didn't he lost his temper a bit and Murici up front was disappointing uh, without a more uh, They really missed the talisman Lazio.
1: I was following this one on the train and I saw the goals going in but it wasn't until the end of the game that I noticed that Lazio had a man sent off so I thought ah okay that it's just one of those they got a man sent off and it all collapsed but it was 3-0 when he got sent off. He missed the last 15 minutes, but it was 3-0 in the 68th. So, yeah. bizarre. Really, really bizarre one that, particularly at the time. And I know Ewan said on the podcast, well, it must have been the preview podcast, that Lazio's win over Roma will be a lot less impressive if they, if they go on to lose in comic fashion against Bologna. And here we are a week later. Ewan's unfortunately a, a little bit sick, otherwise he would have been here with us tonight, so... Um, he, I'm sure, do you know what, it's probably best that he's not, he'd be insufferable, wouldn't he, after getting that little prediction right, he wouldn't <laughs> stop talking about it, Um, anyway, on to the next one, Kev, Roma be Empoli 2-0, Lorenzo Pellegrini signed a new contract in midweek and he celebrated it with a goal, Henrik Mkhitaryan scored the other, but Mourinho and Roma, it's going nicely again, forget the derby, don't worry about it, all is well, and Lorenzo Pellegrini is the best midfielder to have ever played football.
2: Yeah, well, uh, firstly on Pellegrini, I think I remember last year saying that I wasn't actually sure what he did. You know, for Me all too. his minutes, but this year, but this year he's got. Uh, I had some statistics last week about his assists and goals, but you know he's 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 throwing those around like they're like they're free and. Obviously, it's a nice nice narrative when you sign a new contract. uh, If it means he's going to sort of stick around at Roma, if he continues to perform like this, it will depend more on the success that Mourinho brings. And like we said last week, the derby is the derby. I think it's often long forgotten by the coaches because it is such a game that can go either way. And... The Roma fans may have been disappointed last Sunday, but I'm sure they're smiling again this Sunday, given the fortunes of the two sides. Yes,
1: Kev. Yes, you're slowly coming over. You're slowly coming over to this side, even if you don't realise it, Kev. You've are <laughs> you dipped your toe in, and you're now saying that the Darby's like, oh, yes, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. I'm, I'm winning you over, even though you don't realise I'm not sure who,
2: who I'm... Not sure who I can like on the Roma team.
1: Ah, uh, Chris Smalling is yeah. very likable.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: okay. Oh, so you mean for those reasons you can't like them because they're well, people? you
2: know. Well, I just I still have fond affections for Pepe Reina and Lucas Labour, so I think if on. So you need a Liverpool
1: connection, oh. is what you're saying?
2: No, I think because it, 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 it means basically. It makes me lean more favourably
1: towards Lazio, I think. Oh, God. You have
2: to give me the Roma well, one. Well,
1: no, there are two, but they're currently at Liverpool. Two of your best players were, were given to you from by Roma. Oh. Alisson and, and Marcella.
2: One of them was given to us after doing that. They did drive a relatively hard bar. Ah, they Alisson. gave you their
1: <laughs> player, didn't they? You did two gifts. And now, look, without those players, you'd, you wouldn't have won the Champions League and the Premier League. and. And also, there you go. Start liking Roma, you ungrateful clown. Um, let's move on, shall we? Vito, Joris Abdoria drew 3-3 with Udinese. And uh, look, Qualiola scored, but I don't care because Antonio Candreva, oh my God, what a goal that was. So, I think it was Patrick Hendrick who compared it to the goal he scored for Inter against Lecce a couple of seasons ago. I think this one might be better.
3: Yes, yeah, oh, it was. and uh, yeah it was a fabulous strike on his part, and uh, I thought that uh, this would have been the, the decisive goal. that would have been the winner. Uh, speaking of comparisons, I actually made an even wilder comparison on, uh, on Twitter. Um, One of the games at the 1986 World Cup, Brazil versus uh, Northern Ireland, the right- back Hosima on his debut, or Josima, scored a similar goal like that, just that sort of position on the ground and trajectory, so you know, some of these uh, uh, comparisons between those are pretty crazy but Kondreva in general has been probably some thought his best player his work ethic and his skills, they've been on show so it looks like he's starting a bit of a career resurgence, so I'm um, happy for him and uh, I think he's he's doing well in particular. As for the result itself, uh, a bit disappointed we didn't hold on for the three points. And uh, I think although we're great going forward, I think defensively we just look like a bunch of amateurs. The, the defence at times look like a bunch of training cones. And it's a shame because at least on the eye, this some team looks pleasing to watch under the Diversa. Well,
2: the... Um... While well, the Cam driver goal was was lovely. Oh no, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? No, 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 no. Just just as I was watching the goal and I was sort of I was thinking, do we miss lots more goals like this that we don't rate as highly? Because so like okay, so just bear with me. You're you're viewing the goal because the camera is the side that you, the, the player striking the ball has the back to you. So you see the sort of trajectory of the ball and it's a really nice kind of angle to shoot, view the goal mm. from. And then I'm thinking, so to take, if you watched uh, Tammy Abraham, he hit the bar from the other side, so the far side of the mm. pitch because you're viewing it from that end. And I was thinking of um, the comparison would be the Benjamin Pavard goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like the World Cup. Because there was then on the replays you saw, although it, the the live footage, it obviously was a good goal. But I don't know, it just, it just always feels that feel, feels like the ones that I see from the players back live always make you know make, make that sort of involuntary oh you know that mm, yeah that's a good goal. But actually, and then we miss all the others, the ones where there isn't a camera at the other side, we don't see a replay of it. But it was a lovely goal. I wasn't I wasn't dissing the goal. I was just thinking. Are they are they elevated ever so slightly because we get that beautiful angle from
1: the uh, the Possibly. Position. I remember being at the, the San Siro. No, the Miata because it was Inter who were playing at home and that's how it works. Um, A couple of years back when Parma went there in their first Serie A season and Federico Di Marco, who was on loan from Inter at the time, scored a winner very late on. And oh my God, it was an astonishing goal. And it was one of those, he hit it with the outside of his foot from miles away and it looped. And if it was on the other side, it would have looked so much better because you would have been able to see it live with that that whip on it, but unfortunately not. And it was recognized as being a good goal, but not quite as good as it it should have been. I went back and watched that in midweek, incidentally. I'm not sure why, but it just came to my mind, so it's it's fresh in my head at, at the moment. But there you go, Michael Essien's against the Arsenal as well for Chelsea is is one of those in the category of the camera did it favors because it was perfectly in line with the camera the way it looped out and then whipped back in at the last second. Um, although I suppose Roberto Carlos's free kick against France goes against that argument. This is something we need to think- we need to have a chat about off. Air when we're not yeah. recording, so let's just swiftly shift the conversation. Well, no, just very quickly because oh, i quickly, con- is quickly. When you speak, Kev Carlos's has the
2: same issue as the Pavard one, whereas there was an angle directly behind him, yeah, but not
1: the live you know,
2: one. A, a camera, no, not the live one. Oh, Come on, that was me
1: being quick. That was it, but you didn't make a point, yeah. You- <laughs> Anyway, let's continue. Vito, Spezia lost 4-0 against Verona, having played so well last week against Milan. Uh, Simone Bastoni got sent off again, though. The damage was done. It was already 4-0 by that point. Giovanni Simeone scored quite remarkably. (laughs) And what's more remarkable is that Gianluca Caprari also scored. What's going on at Verona now? They're good.
3: Yeah, it's... uh staggering because under Juric, they had that clear style of play and identity, but they weren't uh, overly prolific. Then Di Francesco, well, I knew it was a mistake to hire him in the first place, but since Tudor's come in, they've been absolutely rejuvenated. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, incredible that uh, the Giallo Blue, they're playing very well. And uh, Caprari in particular... Has actually been a good acquisition for them. So he he played well in their first win of the season, and he was involved in two goals in this game. So yeah, perhaps maybe he's someone uh, the Jules Blue can try and purchase on a permanent basis.
1: Especially I need to put Ivan Provedel back in the team. I don't know why he's not playing, to be honest, because he was excellent last year and Zoet. Well, I don't know what he's doing. By the looks of it, this weekend, he's not doing anything because Verona had six shots, four on target, and scored four goals. Put Providal back in. Excellent goalkeeper. My God. Uh, Sorry, if you saw my face drop, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's because I just saw that they only had four shots on target and they scored four goals. And again, Providal was on the bench, but there you go. Uh, Spezia, curiously, only had seven substitutes named, which is isn't ideal for a, a, a top flight side. Kev, Salonitana beat Genoa 1-0. I know Vito will be happy about this, so I'll let you talk about it instead. A big win for Salonitana. They really did need that one. Yeah, well, it sort of keeps them...
2: Well, it gets them up off the bottom, jumping over the Genoa didn't look great, right, sadly. Don't stop smiling, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, if Vito's, um, Vito needs to remember they're only a point behind Sam still. So um, the Neva's Neva Genoese size are looking great at the bottom there. But um, yeah, it looks you know because obviously Vinicius you've got to, you know we'll move on to that. They got they got a point knit. It just allows them to not fall too far away because they were they were struggling at the start of the
1: season, weren't they? They were struggling at the start of the season. And Vito, as Kev said, we will go on to Cagliari Venezia because Cato Balde put the Isolani ahead very early on. Well, not very early, but in the first half of the first half. So it's quite early. But Gianluca Buzio scored considerably later in the ninety second to, to seal a point for the Venetians.
3: Another valuable point for the Lagunari, and uh, Buzio, he continues his uh, emergence, so happy that he was the one that got the goal, but uh, not good for Cagliari at all. I mean, sitting on the bottom of the table with just three points, uh, Mazzari's return is not looking too impressive at this stage, but uh, I think Venezia it's good to see that they're actually trying to put up some sort of a fight, especially after beginning so poorly.
1: hmm it is. Uh, I, I don't know why I called them the, the Venetians. I didn't fancy saying Arantanero Verde that time, and I couldn't think of any of their other nicknames, so I just went for it. They're new in Serie i I'm still coming to terms with <laughs> with all of the names that that go with them, but anyway. That'll do, guys. We're, we're into the, the season's second international break now. So if you do want to, to keep up with what Italy gets up to over the international break, you're going to have to go over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football because, well, we never did international podcasts during the pre-Patreon days. So in, in terms of the, the free stuff, we're going to continue not doing them. But if you're signed up to Patreon, we will have uh, an Italy review pod after every match that they play. It'll be me and someone else Will change depending on availability. And Kevin I'd imagine you won't be doing any because you hate international football, and you you burn your television if it so much as dares to come on your screen outside of an international competition, right? I just don't, just don't watch the uh,
2: the very pointless or often pointless
1: semi final, mate.
2: Qualifying trophy
1: on the line. Uh,
2: semi final nations league. What is that this
1: week? Is it? Uh, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, a point.
2: That's, a, that's, a, that's a pointless. Yeah,
1: Italy pointless are playing Spain in the Nations League semi-final. So Nations League final, Italy are going to win a trophy by the time we speak again. Another one. <laughs> well, I, I don't know why you're laughing, Vito. Italy win everything now, and I'm not just talking about in football. If it's Italy compete in something, they win it. That's just the way 2021 is. Football done. Hundred meters done eurovision done uh european championships of like women's volleyball done everything italy win that's what happens so if you want the celebratory podcast about the atsuri another one i should say patreon.com slash fort italian football.com two euro five euro and ten euro tiers available if you want podcasts you're gonna have to pay for the five euro tier the two euro tier you'll get one at the beginning of the month, and whatever else. I can't really remember right now, but head over and check it out. It's all listed on the site. Kev, thank you very much. Pleasure. Vito, thank you very much. No worries. And I to- goodbye.